Hello and welcome to the Renee Report. Today on the Renee Report and the Daily Dose, we are going to be going over the NBA draft that is currently eight days away on June 20th. We're going to be doing draft analysis a little bit different. Everyone does mock drafts and does it in terms of player comparisons and teams in a row and does it one by one by one. But today we're going to focus on draft picks and the best draft selections for the reasons that no one seems to be talking about. 2019 draft is loaded with talent. Maybe not game-changing or game-defining talent, but talent that nonetheless can come to a lot of teams like the Toronto Raptors over the last few years and really expand on a team's depth and bench rolls. A possible Van Fleets in this draft. First on my list that no one seems to be talking about is UNC freshman Cody White. UNC freshman is projected to go around the 8th selection in the NBA draft in just under a week. You've been, you may be asking yourself, excuse me, when's the last time a UNC player was picked in the lottery of an NBA draft? In order to do so, we have to go all the way back to when Golden State had the selection of Harrison Barnes at the number 7 pick in the 2012 draft. Cody is projected to go number 6, which would be even higher than number 7 of Harrison Barnes. What exactly led to the rise of Cody White and to him being a pretty much shoe-in to be a lottery draft pick in the 2019 NBA draft? Heading into the 2018-19 March Madness season, the UNC Tar Heels were led by the likes of Cody White and Junior Cameron Johnson. Heading into the tournament, it was a big consensus that Cameron Johnson would be the one to lead UNC deep into the tournament and possibly have an explosion and really up his draft stock in the NBA draft. UNC Tar Heels made it all the way to the Sweet 16, led by Cody White, freshman, averaging 16 points per game and dominating majority of the opponents he faced. Now, I believe as NBA fans, we have become accustomed to seeing two or three freshmen a year really elevate themselves from March Madness. So why exactly is this such a surprise and such a big deal for the young Cody White? Well, UNC is one of the few teams still left in the college, college basketball world that still believe in making sure that most or majority of their players make it to their junior year before leaving and truly develop all and any players, regardless of talent or where you are going to be projected to go in the NBA draft. This is why it's so impressive that the UNC coach decided to hand over the keys to Cody White, just a freshman, and why it's so important that he made such a big presence in March Madness. Cody White is extremely fast. The only person I can compare him to would be De'Aaron Fox. The people that are projected to get Cody White would be the Phoenix Suns at the number six selection. This makes so much sense in so many mock drafts, and we see it over and over and over again, because the Suns are in desperate need, and one of few teams in the NBA to be in desperate need of a point guard. 
And not only just a normal point guard, but they just need any point guard. Makes Cody's white leading destination certainly the Phoenix Suns. He is a 6'5 point guard with little strength, but does have success driving to the basket and has an ability to make very difficult shots while heading to the basket. Biggest concern with Cody White would be his decision-making in passing, but as he is only a freshman, that can be expected. But the fact that only two UNC freshmen have been projected top 11, and both are freshmen, says a lot. Tells us that the likes of Nazir Little, Nazir Little and Cody White really outperformed and were able to break the mold that UNC has had in place for about 25 years. Whichever team has the guts to pick, Cody is getting a great leader at a very, very young age who has De'Aaron Fox-type potential in the coming years. I believe Cody's ceiling is that he could become a great passer, an amazing playmaker, and with his innate ability to already score the basketball and rare speed, I believe his ceiling absolute ceiling would be De'Aaron Fox where he can become a true leader for the Phoenix Suns and truly be a catalyst to them exploding onto the NBA forefront I would say Cody's floor is that he will have speed and be a natural store score excuse me at the next level regardless of where he gets drafted or how he develops I believe his floor is probably a player like Van Fleet from Wichita State a valuable bench asset to score and run the second unit. And this is the worst case scenario for Cody White, UNC freshman, projected lottery pick. I would say by far Cody White is the biggest risk in the lottery as far as other than his teammate Nazir Little, who is right on the edge of being picked in the lottery, projected around 11th or 10th. He would probably be more of a risk as he is same as Cody White, a freshman from UNC, but a little more raw and relies on athleticism versus Cody White, who is similar, but his speed is just never going to go anywhere and no one can catch him anyways. So he just has an ability that people can't stop versus someone like Nazir Little, who I believe is more raw potential and could really be a bust as far as living up to his hype versus Cody White, I see being successful even if he doesn't fully live up to his hype. Next prospect I would like to go over is Sieku Dumboya. Sieku is from France, 6 foot 9, 230 pounds, and is only 19 years of age. He's the only real Euro player in this draft with some serious upside, although it is mostly on the defensive end. 6 foot 9, 230 pounds, he mainly plays small forward, but can certainly play a small ball center and easily play the power forward position with the amount of strength he already possesses. Projected to go anywhere from the 12th pick in the draft to the 20th pick in the draft, my personal opinion shouldn't get past the 14th pick of the 2019 draft. He has a wingspan of 6 foot 11. Here are the reasons that I absolutely love Sieko Dumboya. Even though he's only 19 years of age, in his first year of Euroball, he averaged about 8 rebounds per game. So, as we know, rebounding is one of those things that translates very well to the NBA. 
and we can look for him to do a lot of the dirty work for whatever team takes a chance on him. Always look for the extra pass and be a great teammate who constantly is getting on the boards. A very raw prospect, so I believe going to the NBA could really improve his development and he could really rapidly change his effect on an NBA court. Certainly one of those great new style big men like a Pascal Siakam that loves to run in transition, is a fluid athlete, and can certainly run the floor. As a defender, his potential is seriously high. Can guard from the point guard on the NBA opposing team all the way to the center. Is very fast, lateral quickness. Loves to bang bodies in the post. Appears to be super active even while guarding guards. Brings a lot of energy to both ends of the floor, which is amazing for transition and the way that the NBA is moving. The perfect frame where he's just big enough to guard the big men and just quick enough and athletic enough to stay with the smaller quick guards. Now, all that being said, what are some of the reasons that you don't want to hear the name Siaku following the NBA team that you love? Siako was in France his first season. He averaged only 8 points per game, which is not bad in European stats for his age, but does not jump off the page like a Luka Doncic or Przingis did in Latvia. Tells us if he was not good enough offensively to dominate in the European leagues, we can safely assume it will take him a year or two to truly develop his offensive potential and get to a point where he's a true threat on the offensive end does not seem to have full control over his body and is still learning the game. Safely assume Siaku needs a few years just to adapt to his body and let it continue to develop, let alone being ready to play at an NBA level. Question whether or not his frame is truly big enough not to become a tweener and get himself stuck between the small forward and power forward position, because although his athleticism is clearly good enough for him to be a small forward. I worry that his 230-pound frame and his big body may allow him to stuck and not be as good offensively, especially in the NBA. I believe with so much recent success in picks like Latvia's Przingod and Luka Doncic in last year's current draft, that teams will fall into a trap of a lot of these Euro players and a lot of Euro talent in projecting it too high and overvaluing raw talent. The big, big difference between picks like Przingod and Luka Doncic is that they were all projected to go in the lottery, and in Luka Doncic's case, was projected to be the first overall pick for three-fourths of the entire year. Yaku, unfortunately, does not have this potential, at least to NBA scouts, and is more in the mid-first round area, which is much more of a volatile place to draft someone from a European country. At the moment, he is purely a defense and transition basketball player at the moment and does not really possess any offensive threats and is just not as flashy and easy to work on defense. And due to the fact that defense is not as flashy, a lot of players undervalued for this. I believe Siako is in that case where he is undervalued for where he should be in the NBA draft based on his NBA defensive potential. But you also have to realize, although this is true, 
is much easier to improve on your defense and your effort versus something like offense, which is more of a natural touch and you do or don't have it. So although we know he has the defense, we have to question if the offense, similar to a Thon maker, will ever be there. I believe Siaku's ceiling would be an amazing, amazing defender who becomes a threat to score and a lethal transition slasher, similar to a Draymond Green, would be his absolutely highest potential. Floor, and more realistically, what I believe we will see in Siaku's career is a good, versatile defender who becomes more of a 3 and D type player who plays defense and shoots threes, but is really only a three-point shooter on the offensive end and looks more to get rebounds and play the dirty work than to provide on the offensive end on a consistent role. Similar to a P.J. Tucker is where I would compare his floor to be, where he's a great defender off the bench and can come in and defend one of the best players on the opposing team, but brings little offensively and to no surprise. Where he is currently being projected and how good and deep this draft is, if he truly was only to be his floor and be a P.J. Tucker-like player, this would truly be a draft bust if you took him closer to the lottery than to the 20th pick in the NBA draft. That being said, he will be a good defender and possibly a great defender, no doubt, in the NBA in the coming years. Remember the name Sieko Dumbaya. Next on the docket, we have Manute Bull's son coming into the draft from a big injury from the Oregon Ducks, Bull Bull. Bull Bull is projected around the 15th pick, is standing at a height of 7'2 with a 7'5 wingspan, truly enjoys to shoot the three ball, has an ability to consistently hit them, which shows a lot at his size, and is a bit abnormal to say the least. At Oregon, while he only played so many games, he did average 9.6 rebounds per game, and as I just stated with Seiku, we can safely assume that rebounds is one of those things that safely translates to the NBA, and we can safely assume that Bull Bull will be getting about 7 to 8 rebounds probably as soon as his rookie year. Unlike his father Manute, which was more of a defensive stopper and a great rebounder, Bull Bull truly does have a knack and a great touch on the offensive end. We see this as he shot three threes per game and shot at a clip of 52% and also scored 21 points per game in the regular season. I believe he moves a heck of a lot better than people give him credit. He's also a solid 75% free throw shooter, which tells us again that he is a natural scorer. Someone at the height of 7'2 does obviously come with their worries and their telltale signs that something may go wrong. Though I hate to say that, it is true that once you're over the height of 7'1", it is very unlikely that you're going to have a career more than 8 seasons in the NBA. I believe the only reason that Bull Bull is not a top 5 draft pick in this NBA draft is at least 85% due to the fact that he is not going to stay healthy and there's no way that he does. I also believe he is a bit of a wiry build and is way too light 
and I believe he will also struggle to put on weight like his father did Manute Bull back when he played in the NBA. Another thing that has been put into question recently, surprisingly enough, has been his willingness to not be lazy and to stay and maintain focus. Many scouts have come out to the conclusion that there will also be a huge learning curve for someone like Bull Bull in the NBA, which is so, which is why it is so crucial. Excuse me, that someone like Bull Bull has a very good work ethic and is not quote unquote lazy. I believe Bull Bull's ceiling would be that he is a great three-point shooter for a big man, which he already is. Gets a lot stronger, becomes a good rim protector due to this fact, and a lot better of an overall defender. He's already a natural offensive player, so we can believe that that comes with it, and the package coming along with it. Hook shots, a better mid-range jumper, and just overall more consistency and efficiency. His ceiling, I would have to compare him to someone like Pascal Siakam if he could put on the weight. He would obviously have to get much stronger, but the touch is already there and possibly better than Pascal's is currently. His floor would be a natural scorer, which I've said he already is, a good three-point shooter, at least somewhat of a shot blocker, but he fails to add size and adapt to the NBA. And his comparison, unfortunately enough, in this case, his floor would have to be Thon Maker. Someone who has failed just as he would if he did only reach his floor to adapt to the NBA. Last draft prospect, excuse me, I would like to go over. I have already gone over once before in a past episode, but I believe needs to be stated again in more detail. Person Edwards of the Purdue Oilers. Oil makers, excuse me, is projected to go with the 30th to 35th pick in the NBA 2019 draft. He is the best pure shooter other than Tyler Hero in the entire draft, has that tray-like ability to grab points in a hurry out of nowhere, is six foot with a six foot six wingspan. In his junior year, he averaged 24 points per game, put up three games of over 40 points. And two of those games, out of the four, were in the March Madness Tournament. As a junior, he shot about 36% from three, which was a truly down year from the year before, where we saw as a sophomore, Carson Edwards shoot about 40% from three, while shooting a insane 6.6 threes per game. Carson Edwards is someone who is fearless in transition, Loves the hard shots and the contact regardless of his size. He's the Brunson of this year's draft, certainly, and has the production and ability. But a lot of younger players have more potential and have more raw talent, which is why he goes so much later in the draft when he should certainly be a top 20 selection in the 2019 draft. He is someone like Trey, again, who loves the big moments and will never shy away from taking the shot has improved every single collegiate year of his career. I believe coming off of his extremely hot shooting year as a sophomore, he could have went into the draft and went much higher in the 2018 draft. But I believe similar to Brunson, he came back one more year to become a better leader and to continue to develop. And I truly believe this will help his success in the long run in the NBA. 
Cons on Carson Edwards would have to be he only averaged about three assists per game last year as the primary ball handler, which tells us that he is definitely a shooting guard stuck in a point guard's body. Because of his size, we can also believe, or many do believe, that he will become a defensive liability in the NBA, but I believe his scrappy play will counteract this to some degree. I believe his ceiling would be an elite hard-to-stop shot maker who is a volume scorer and becomes as efficient as a sophomore year and is a return to a deadly consistent three-point shooter. Comparison would have to be a poor man's Trey Young if he could reach his ceiling. The floor would have to be someone who he's already become a leader from his junior year at Purdue. He is certainly a natural volume scorer. And unfortunately, his floor also, if he becomes a defensive liability, is the biggest problem with his career at the moment and the reason that he is slipping in the draft in the coming week. I believe his comparison floor-wise would have to be Brunson, who got selected by the Mavericks last year at around the 30th selection, even though he was on the Villanova team and was the leader that led them to win the tournament. And I believe similar to Jalen Brunson, where he's not being appreciated or valued correctly, Carson Edwards is the exact same prospect in the 2019 draft, and a lot of teams will regret not taking a bigger chance on this prolific score. This has been the Rene Report with many more news and podcast episodes to come out in the coming week about the NBA draft. Look forward to that and stay tuned.